welcome to Imagine Me and Yuri Kuma. I am Panda, I am your host, and I am here with my co-host Alice. How you doing, Alice? I'm doing quite alright. And we are also here with Cass. Hello! And Abby! Hey! And we are back once again to talk about more Yuri Kuma, Yuri Bearstorm manga and uh, we are going to be talking about chapters 12, 13, and 14 today. And I promised you guys a meme that I made earlier. So I'm going to drop this in our Discord chat. It's not from this chapter, but... Oh boy. It is from some... I had to go back and look at a previous page for some information. And I uh, couldn't resist making this. Okay, that's really <laughs> This is beautiful. I mean, that is exactly the energy of this image. It really yeah. is. You can't talk right now doing hot girl shit. I'm going to, I'll post this uh, along uh, on our Twitter whenever this episode goes up. It's the panel from last episode of Yurieka in her bra with her shirt open and her glass of wine. And it says, I can't talk right now. I'm doing hot girl shit. Hot girl shit includes uh, sleeping with your brother's widow. You know, just normal hot girl shit. Just hot girl things. Hashtag just hot girl things. I'm imagining a whole Tumblr blog dedicated to posts like that. Yes, exactly. Uh, so, yeah, I am uh, I really like these chapters and I'm pretty excited for us to get into it. So, why don't we do that? All right. All right. Chapter 12. So, we begin on just recapping the last thing that happened in the previous chapter, which is Sumika openly confessing to Kureha and then kind of pulling back a little bit and saying that, you know, despite this confession, you know, she doesn't mean to surprise her and she just wants to be her friend, which this is undeniably sweet. These two are so cute. They are pretty cute. I like the Ginkgo and Lulu reaction shot here. Yeah, Ginko and Lulu are reacting like they've just seen a sequence from a horror movie, and Ginko's reacting like she's like being traumatized by a scene from a horror movie. Lulu's reacting like she's seeing the juiciest gossip that she will ever have in her life. <laughs> Our splash panel this time is like a two-page spread, one of Sumika hugging cute little Lulu teddy bear, definitely naked, and the three main characters hugging a cute little ginkgo teddy bear, again, also definitely naked. They're like floating in a They're lily floating in Yuri's void. Space. Yeah, Yuri space. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of that Chio Saito art that came with the hardback Utenamanga. Yeah! But it is, actually. Much, yeah. much like that, I'm like, hmm, these are young, young girls not wearing <laughs> any clothes. Yup. Well, this is less of a weird, like, lurid sort of stuff that we have gotten from for sure other stuff and this is this is a little tamer this is very um how do i put this this is big wlw erotic but in a yearning way kind of energy oh yeah that's a really good way to put it mm, that is yeah, a really good like, way to put I, it mood is less image sexy because girl not have clothes and more i also wish to be in the cuddle pile with the perfect snuggliness Floating in Lily space. Yeah, yes. I also wonder if it's a lot like like how nudity is used in like Sailor Moon, right? Like kind That's of that kind of what I was thinking. Of purity. Also. It's yeah. one of those things. I'm not the hugest fan of it personally, but I understand the symbolism. And also, I think Lulu with her hair down is very cute, and I wanted to make mm -hmm. note of that. It's very Ooh. free and loose. And they're all like blushy. It's very cute. Yeah, I love that Ginko is just like trying her best to like have a facial expression of like. I am not happy about this. I'm I am not enjoying this. She's just sleepy. No, I'm not happy. I'm not <laughs> happy that both of my girlfriends are cuddling me right now. It's just like <laughs> watching. So Kareha accepts Sumika's offer of friendship. And we cut at the end of that panel to inside the principal's office, where Ginko and Lulu are just having a normal one <laughs> absolutely having a normal one the two of them are yelling about like how could she possibly you know it, it, i'm very tempted to go into my tommy wiseau voice here <laughs> mm. 
She betrayed me. She betrayed me with everything. Lulu's the one who's actually vocally upset about it. Ginkgo is mostly just like, Lulu eats your honey cookies, which she does. <laughs> she eats a salted cookie. And I'm like, on one hand, I'm just, I'm horrified because it's like, salt on cookies makes me like gag. But on the other hand, I appreciate that she, she really values reveling in one's own fine saltiness. Salted cookies are a thing. Like, it's the, like, salty-sweet mm-hmm. combo. Oh, yeah. Salted caramel. Salt, salt is often in chocolate chip cookies. I Personally, I love it. Terrible, terrible. So I think, like, based on the shape of them here, that this is kind of closer to, um... I don't know if you guys know much about Dutch hard candy. I but don't. hard candy in the Netherlands is usually, like, really, uh... Like, actually, it's, like, salt like salty. Hmm. Yeah, like chocolate, the chocolate's very sweet, the candy's not always very sweet, and it's kind of like the divide there. And so I am basing this off a thing that one Dutch person told me in my teen years once before giving me candy. So take this with a grain of salt. My last name may be Dutch, but I have never been to the Netherlands. But yeah, like, it reminds me a little bit of that, where it's like this kind of like, it's probably not a super sweet... if. And I guess it's probably not a super sweet cookie. It's like something where the outside has a little bit of like sea salt or something on it. And Mm -hmm. it's got more of a savory flavor, but it's got a little bit of mild sweetness to it as well. So you get like a very satisfying, think of it more like a really, really a cracker with a cookie-like texture. I googled it and I googled Japanese salted cookie and it seems like there's like salted butter cookies and there's like an Okinawan uh, salted shortbread. Yeah, so, that's what I'm guessing. It's like, a, it's like a salty shortbread type of thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, a salty butter and camembert cheese cookie? Mm. That is heavily French inspired. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's that's different. I could, I could understand that. Yeah. yeah like, like, in my mind, I was just thinking, like, a sugar cookie that someone just poured a bunch of salt on. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. You would have to do it like a salty style shortbread. Yeah. Um, so that's probably, even though it looks like, the thing that she, like, looks like she's putting in her mouth almost looks like it's like a ball. Yeah, it looks more like a candy, which is why I'm surprised. I wonder if yeah, this like is a like truffle a or something. Yeah. I'm look at the translations again later and see if they translate this as something different. Yeah. Regardless, now that we've all played, uh, <laughs> now that we've all played uh, True Crime Kitchen, uh, now that we've devoted the- several minutes to figuring out specifically what kind of cookie Ginkgo is eating, <laughs> this is that's what your con- the content we're here for to produce for the world. <laughs> Nobody else is going to give you this. Eureka uh, is just listening in on these two. They are sitting in her office eating snacks out of a bunch of boxes. <laughs> it is implied that these are her snacks. Yeah, she's like, why are you two in my office eating my food, basically? (laughs) Why are you here? Why are you doing this? Don't you have class? And they just both go like, we're skipping. And Lulu just slowly goes like, you don't tell me this is where all the stacks are. Yep, extremely normal things to say to your principal. Pure of heart, dumb of ass. Truly. Anyway, we get to the next page, and... So Eureka kind of goes, Ginkgo, hey... You don't have to force yourself to come to school if you're having a really hard time right now. And that's very telling, especially given what she says afterward. Uh, Ginkgo go- just defends herself and goes like, I'm, I'm just hungry. And Urieka kind of reiterates like, I know you're saying that, but the reason you transferred here in the first place is you overdid it and couldn't attend school, which like... I kind of wonder what that means. I mean, I assume it's like... Gink- the implication there is Ginkgo had some kind of severe nervous breakdown yeah. and just was a shut-in for a while. Eureka says take mental health days. Yeah. Yes. Like- Eureka does. Yeah. Well, is that really good for her mental health? Like, No, but she takes mental health days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Lulu's actually surprised to hear this, and Ginkgo kind of reiterates, like, I was just a kid back then, as opposed to now. <laughs> Which your Yaka just kind of like claps back with. Mm-hmm. And then Ginkgo claps back by asking, just utterly, you activated my trap card here, and goes right for the heart, and asks Yurieka, why don't you quit? And Yurieka defends herself by going, it's, it's not that hard to be a principal, you know, this is a very, very important 
you know, estate that's been protected by the Hakanaka family for generations. It's my turn to protect it since my older brother, your father, passed away. And Ginko just goes like, I'm not talking about the school. Ginko is salty in this conversation. I was oh, yeah. even Ginko is absolutely going yeah. for the like I, I know that she has been like a little meaner since she had her whole memory thing, but like she is very mean in this chapter. Yeah, she is she so she is here for blood and she will destroy anyone who gets in her way. So Ginko just goes. No matter how much you love my mom, your love for her will never be realized because she still only loves Rhea. Jeez. Fucking. Also, if this is still the Tokyo Pop translation, I noticed that they've gone to back they've gone back on translating Koreha's mother's name is Rhea, which Yeah, they actually had another there was another chapter, I think maybe last week, that also had Rhea instead of Leia. So like Apparently that was not a consistent mistake they made. Yeah, there there have been some weird inconsistent transliteration issues with some of the names. Like, again, we had Rinko for, like, one page. Yeah. So, my mom still only loves Rhea, but she's lonely, so she uses you for your feelings for her and sucks up to you, which is a weird way of wording that. Yeah. You know, the gist of what she says is, my mom is emotionally manipulating you to get over her act that she never actually got with. You know it. I know it. She will never reciprocate your feelings in the way they deserve. Why are you still trying to be with her when you should just leave and be free? Which, I mean, from what we know at this point, she's not wrong. Uh, I think in general she's not wrong. (laughs) And while Yuriko's still processing this burn she's received from a fucking kid, Ginko just goes, thanks for the snacks, and gets up to go. Yeah, and there's a shot here in the manga where it's just, like, as she's eviscerating her, like, there's one panel with her face that's just kind of blank slate, like, stoic, like, not gonna show that this is impacting her. But, frankly, this, like, shot of her back, Mm -hmm. where you just see her back in kind of shadow, says everything. It's big jury energy, if I'm honest. I was also going to say that a lot of this was giving me some, like, jury-ory vibes. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna be absolutely unprincipled and destructive here and just say that this is just like the specific facial expression in the top right panel. If I could put audio to this manga, it would absolutely be that the audio from that one fine. Ask you how you are, you just have to say that you're fine when you're not really fine, but you just can't get into it because they would never understand. <laughs> yeah. See, I, I don't put... even know what the source of that audio is and it lives in my head rent-free. <laughs> and then Lulu, of course, you know, because she is the best character in the manga, uh, was like, these cookies are really tasty. You can have the rest of them, even though they're already yours. <laughs> she just hands, she just presses a bunch of honey cookies into Yurieka's hands, dips with Ginkgo, <laughs> and Yurieka sat there holding, like, a bunch of honey cookies, and she just goes, thanks. <laughs> Which The one time she's actually been shown genuine affection. And Lulu does it without even a second thought. It's just like her her natural inclination when something is weird is like, uh, uh, here's here have have these cookies. Mm-hmm. All right. So like Ginko kind of thinks to herself that she doesn't want to become horrible like her mother, but she also doesn't want to end up in Eureka's situation where she's just pining for someone who will never reciprocate her feelings and. She thinks to herself, I should forget that selfish woman and be free. And then as she's thinking about the word free, she looks up and realizes that despite the fact that the sun is shining out, she can't see the sky. And in that moment realizes that the invisible storm has come, which I think this is just more evidence for the fact that in this version of the story, the invisible storm is depression. Yeah. It's specifically... Depression and mental fatigue brought on by trauma. Mm-hmm. That's a really good point. I mean, definitely when I first wrote this, I had no idea what this was going for, to be honest. I was like, okay, it's a cloudy, like, overcast day. I was like, yeah, Ginkgo, it might just be a cloud. <laughs> but definitely with her mental state and, like, Eureka calling it out, too, that, you know, don't push yourself. I think that's mm-hmm. a really good reading. Yeah, like, the implication here is Ginkgo has begun to backslide into the state where she began to withdraw from everything. Mm -hmm. And we actually get some more information on the next page where 
that reinforces this where she says, I'm not scared, though. I've been here for a long time, which for anyone with chronic or recurring mental hangups, like that is such a fucking um, yeah. You know, not to get like too personal here, but I've been having a hard time lately off and on. And it's kind of been really rough for everyone in our house. Because when I'm having a hard time, that kind of means everyone around me is forced to have a hard time too, which is not good. So I'm relating very hard to Ginkgo here, where it's like, you can tell that you are in the middle of an unhealthy coping mechanism, but you do not have the wherewithal in this exact moment or second to extract yourself from that. Yeah, definitely. Because it it feels like... It feels like the situation you are in is wholly outside your control, even if there are strong elements of it that are. Yeah. So kind of cut to the bottom of the page. Ginkgo is sitting in class, looking out the exact window seat that every single anime and manga protagonist looks out of. <laughs> I Shout out to the first person who has the guts to put the main character of the anime in a desk in the middle of the classroom for any reason. You can do that if it's in, like, a Yu-Gi-Oh! Because that way, you don't have to differentiate your main character by having them stare out the window. You can just give them the most insane-looking hair that has ever been designed. It's true. I mean, like, you can say a lot of things about Kazuki Takahashi's art, but one thing you can never say about it is that his silhouettes are shockingly distinct, so fair. You're not wrong! Six-hour rant incoming about Kazuki Takahashi being underrated as an artist. Anyway... <laughs> justice for the Yu-Gi-Oh manga honestly yeah the first three panels here show Ginkgo just in the middle of her reverie committing a pretty actually a pretty bad social faux pas because she fails to stand bow and sit back down when the teacher you know kind of does the little concluding bow for the class I was kind of confused by that and because I didn't really totally realize what was happening but now that you have just said it I was like oh yeah. duh yeah so beginning and end of every class like you're supposed to stand and bow to the teacher and it's like it's kind of just like a very normal formal social nicety yeah we're not doing it here like we can read it based on the previous panel as ginkgo is just kind of too zoned because of how she what she's going through to understand to notice what's happening Mm -hmm. but to everyone else around her it looks like she just deliberately acted like she was too good to do the very, very minor social concession of being nice to the fucking overworked teacher who's about to walk out of this room to five more classes today. So, Yurizono, who is now in this manga... Hey, it's Fashy Armband Girl. She showed up once in Volume 1, very briefly. Yeah, she's, she's back, and she's got a more prominent role this chapter, of all things. Just scolds Ginkgo, and we know why apparently the reason she has an armband in this version of the story is she's class representative, which also means... Wasn't she class representative in the anime? I believe she was, but there the the armbands were really being, like, used as a more flexible symbol, where it's like, textually, in this moment, this is class president, but also everyone except for Kareha and the bears are wearing them by the end. Mm-hmm. Because the whole school mm-hmm. militarizes on a bear hunt. Mm-hmm. And they kind of turn into more of like party armbands by the end of it. Like mm-hmm. Alice is not joking when she says it's intentionally drawing on fascist imagery. But yeah. here it's it's just like an ordinary supposed to be its its surface meaning. Mm-hmm. That also means, by the way, that she is the one who would have been telling the class to stand bow seat be seated. Mm-hmm. Because it, it's not usually the teacher who does that, it's the class rep. I didn't realize that, so that makes Mm -hmm. even more sense as to why she's calling out Ginkgo. Yeah, like, that's why she is specifically, because she is personally feeling slighted. Mm -hmm. She also has big Asuka energy here. She really does. She really does. Like, it's not even just the little hair doodads. I can almost imagine her being like, Baka Ginkgo. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, she, I mean, she clearly wants to, is the thing. Why'd she get in the robot? Jesus. Oh my god. Uh, so, Koreha watches this play out, and Ginko just completely no-sells the scolding, like, doesn't even acknowledge it. Mm. And Yurizono kind of intervenes and goes, Koreha, you have to tell her! And as Koreha goes to do it, uh, Sumika shows up to just yank Koreha off to 
what we find out is the library. And there's a little bit of lost translation detail here. Uh, when Ginkgo says they sure seem friendly and kind of notes, you know, that didn't take too long. Uh, the reason she's annoyed is that in the Japanese version, this establishes that Koreha and Sumika are on a first name basis. Mm, yeah, okay. Yeah, like, because the English translation tends to kind of, like, eschew the whole... They prefer to localize. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it, you you lose a little bit of detail here, but because, specifically, it's not just that they're being friendly, it's that when once you're on a first name basis, your friendship has now become an intimate friendship. Mm-hmm. You know, like, th- this is no longer just, like, we are friends because we are, you know, in the same club or something. We are friends because we we actually have a personal connection and we're trying to express that to ourselves and to everyone around us. I just assumed there was a reaction to the the hand-holding. Yep. Like, the hand-holding, weirdly enough, the hand-holding is actually less of a thing uh, because of the way Japan tends to kind of be a lot more lax with intimate gestures among, between young women. That, that's like, fair. Yeah, so, like, the fact that they're they're on first-name basis is in some ways a lot more telling. Mm-hmm. And Ginko is, you know, in her, especially in her depression brain, reading this as, you know, Kureha confessed to me like a day ago and she's already running off with this girl. Mm-hmm. I'm not bothered. I'm not bothered. And this doesn't bother me at all. I'm not owned. I'm not owned. Become unbotherable. Yep. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Lulu shows up with Big ol' bulging sack lunches, including what looks like some kind of honey bread, which is definitely for her. Oh, yeah. You ask Ginko where she wants to eat lunch, and, you know, kind of clarifies in another little detail here that Ginko hasn't been eating much lately, and I feel like... I don't know how I missed what the Invisible Storm was in the manga on my first read-through, because, like, they are being painfully direct about it here. I imagine you were just too busy reeling from the the dissonance between the anime and manga versions of the plot. Yeah, coming back to it has been a very enlightening experience. And we get like a great beat here of Lulu going like, if you get me skinnier, he'll piss me. I mean, your boobs will get smaller. (laughs) Which summarizes what she's been doing this whole time so well. And kind of implies that as much as Lulu is genuinely dumb of ass... A lot of this kind of, like, very overtly flirty behavior she does is a way to kind of, like, sugarcoat the fact that she is genuinely a very sweet person who is constantly worried about Ginkgo, which I like. And I think she also knows that Ginkgo will not necessarily respond to, like, genuine offers of care and attention, especially not right now. Yeah. She has to kind of couch it in uh, something that, like, she can... She has to make it a joke. Yeah. She's got to couch it in a joke. If it's semi-ironic, Ginkgo will be able to handle it, because Ginkgo is a irony poison teenager on something awful. Yeah. Yeah, Ginkgo has depression. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) For that image. And Ginkgo just goes like, if you eat any more than you do, you're gonna get fat. I mean, fatter. Don't like this. Jesus, Ginko, fucking calm down, but also... Like, I know that in manga and anime, that is not as... That is not as severe of a of an insult, or at least is not, like, made out to be that way. But, like, it just does not read very well. <laughs> it really does not. And, you know, it, it should probably be made clear that, like, while Japan doesn't have the same... Obesity is not as much of a socialized problem as it is in mm-hmm. America. There is still a lot of like policing of body image in Japanese. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all self enforced. So that it's that's still meant to be a very fucking steamy line. Yeah, I just meant like you see jokes like this in Sailor Moon and stuff, like with Luna telling Usagi that she's gonna get fat if she keeps eating. Like it's at least like in a lot of American pop culture, it has become out of vogue to make those kinds of jokes then again this did come out in like 2015 we have not yet hit the chubby elf revolution of 2016 (laughs) i'm sorry that was that was the dumbest joke i'm ever going to make for this podcast no don't sell yourself short i'm sure you've got plenty of dumber jokes in you you're right i shouldn't i i should keep going (laughs) so 
Having kind of very brusquely brushed off Lulu here, Lulu does manage to basically convince Ginkgo to come eat lunch with her in the principal's office. And looking out the window, they see that Kureha and Sumika are by the library. It was uh, Ginkgo's idea to eat in the principal's office. Which does kind of imply that Ginkgo is absolutely doing this despite on Korea. Well, Lulu outright accuses her of that, and she denies it, but like, come on. Yeah, it, it is very much one of the things. She says that Yurieka's away on business, so she knew she'd be able to take a nap in here. And like, is Yurieka away on business, or is she away on business? Oh, uh, well... I can't even remember if we actually get an answer to that, to be honest. I don't think we ever do. I don't don't know that it ever comes up. But uh, yeah, she she is away at the moment. And Ginkgo basically tries again to pretend that she's above worrying about Kureha and and stupid sexy Sumika. What Kureha gets up to isn't my business anymore. Yeah. Kureha and Sumika, meanwhile, aren't having much luck getting into the library at all. Because it is closed for organizing of the collection. I guess. Yeah, it seems fake. Fucking going through and having to do mold on all the books. (laughs) I only know one library science joke and I've just used it up, so we better move on. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it says that it's going to be done soon, but like, what even does soon mean? Yeah. Kuriha tries to break in through the window, at which point Sumika grabs her and goes like, calm down, that's dangerous. And there's a cute little panel where they both get blushy because, you know, she's kind of embracing Kuriha and they're both suddenly conscious of that. They both turn very red and it's very cute. (laughs) Yeah. And Kuriha's like, yeah, I guess it doesn't really help if I just bust in through the window and we, we both get in trouble for no reason. And Sumika notes, like, you're usually really good about following the rules, so I didn't think you'd do something like that. Are you looking about stuff up about this bear because of Ginkgo? No. She kind of notes that, this is Sumika speaking, so Sumika's noting that even she has noticed the change in Ginkgo's behavior. Mm-hmm. And Kuriha's just, like, doesn't respond immediately, and Sumika's like, hey, if you don't want to talk about it, it's fine. And she grasps Kuriha's hand and goes... You know, if you want to talk to someone, I am always here. We're friends. You don't have to bottle everything up inside. And Kuriha is genuinely kind of touched by this. Unfortunately, Ginkgo can probably only see what they're doing, so it absolutely looks to her like the two of them are having a tender and romantic moment. Mm-hmm. That has nothing to do with her. And <laughs> Lulu absolutely interprets it this way with her single bare brain cell <laughs> and goes to fucking murder what I think Think it's a pudding? Is, yeah, a honey pudding of some variety. Mm-hmm. With her fucking adorable little spoon that I want. Little spoons so are the little. best spoons. Yeah, Look at true. that fucking thing. That is the cutest piece of cutlery on the planet. So Lulu is all like, ha, my rival's gone. Now I've geeked all to myself and is immediately pissed because now she doesn't know what to do. She's built this up so long and, and now she has what she wants. And Lulu and activates her lo- her useless lesbian mode. She's like, uh, I-, I don't know. I never thought I'd get this far. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. She n- realizes that mostly because Ginkgo goes like, Lulu, why are you getting worked up? <laughs> Which is great. And she promises Ginkgo she'll never leave and embraces her and kisses her. Little cheek smoochy. And then Ginkgo doesn't react, which is not the norm for how these interactions have gone so far in this manga. Mm-hmm. And Lulu kind of teases her and goes, you know, if you take a nap with your guard down like this, I'll eat you up. Growl, At growl. which point Ginkgo goes, yeah, that's fine. What? Yup. Lulu like, is this consent? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the fucking little butterfly. You can kind of like see the like wheel spinning in her head. She's like, I don't like, know. Really, truly. Yeah. She's really wants to do the best thing. Like this is what she's wanted, but she's like, but not, huh? Huh? Lulu has the same look on her face as when the time that my sister, at, like at my sister's old house, there was a plate of spaghetti that got knocked over on the floor and like <laughs> her dog ran over and was like staring intensely at it. And since they were going to throw it out anyway, because like, you know, spaghetti all over the floor, they like looked at the dog and they're like, all right, you can go have a little bit. And the dog like physically started vibrating. Like he, <laughs> like he, he could, he almost could not like, you know, you can never tell what a dog is thinking, 
But he really seemed like he could not believe that he had been like indicated permission that he could eat some of the spaghetti. Oh, that's how Lulu is right now. There's a great little beat of Koreha thinking Sumika, and as Lulu kind of ponders what situation she's ended up in, she leans in and asks if Ginko knows that, you know I love you, right? At which point Ginko responds, yeah. And they lean in as Ginko thinks, as well, rather, as Lulu thinks, because this is definitely Lulu's monologue here, even knowing that you're taking advantage of your partner's feelings, even if their touch is only temporary. You missed the the beginning of that quote because it's like a it, it, oh, yeah, it's the, a little narration bit that sort of plays yeah. over. Yeah, when you're when your heart is bad, your body seeks out warmth, kind of reinforcing that in this moment they are shockingly close, despite what Ginko said earlier to exactly turning into Yurieka and Ginko's mom. Mm-hmm. Like the parallels are actually really, really on point here, and it's kind of scary. Mm-hmm. Also, the splash panel for chapter thirteen is fucking adorable, and it's—I want that costume. I wrote in my notes that I thought this would make a very cute I cosplay. Want it, I, know, I want it. Hey, look at Sumika's delivery service. I know. Yeah, <laughs> Sumika's teddy bear delivery service. For the listeners, she is like a little witch on a broom, and she's got like a little cloak with bear ears and a little bow, and she has bear Ginkgo and bear Lulu with her on the broom, and it's just so cute. I, know. I like that uh, things are getting real like steamy in the the manga proper, but then we're just interrupted by this adorable little splash page of Sumika. <laughs> I love that, like, the manga just deliberately makes the choice here of, like, we have been very horny with our splash pages so far to break up more serious chapters. So, to change the pace, to break up a very steamy chapter, here's a completely wholesome splash page. So, we get the continuation of the earlier scene where Lulu, Lulu is, at, like said, you know, already said, you know I love you, right? And Geek goes, just acknowledges this flatly. And Lulu is just kind of waiting there kind of petrified while Ginko continues Lulu you are my precious friend so you can do whatever you want and Lulu is kind of overcome by this and kisses her and we get her like this kiss is such a big deal to her it kind of triggers a old memory brings her back and we see Milne I think that's how you say that right Milne Milne yeah it's it's pronounced exactly the same as the guy who wrote okay so we see Mm -hmm. Milne I'm not sure we know that he is known yet, saying, sister, I love you. And she just like goes, whoa, immediately jar, jars her out of this. And we see the reason she thinks this is because a tiny little bear has fallen from its hiding place, tucked away in her little like vest thingy. It was in her, her inner jacket pocket. Yeah. Yeah. And Ginko picks it up. It's like, do you always keep him in your inner jacket pocket? And Lulu just is kind of doesn't hear her because she's just realizing that she can't do this, that this is not what she wanted, and that like Ginko has basically is giving up on her love, and that's the opposite of what Lulu wants for her. And Ginko is baffled by this because like this is extremely not Lulu. I cannot stress enough that this is not <laughs> how she normally acts. There's no jokes in any of this. Like we sent jokes out of the room for this one. She is like monologuing about how and we literally said we find the promised kiss together, but we can't. If you give up on your love, you'll become invisible. But then I told myself to always protect your love. I know that Kiriha is the one you love, and you shouldn't be kissing me. And Gigo like looks genu- like this is the first time we've seen in a while that Gigo has like a genuine, actual like emotional expression on her face. She wipes away Lulu's tears and she says sorry. So sad. You hugged me like this the first time we met. Back then, I thought that was I was Ginko's soulmate. But and then we switch over to the library. It's Life Treasurer. It's Life Treasurer <laughs> standing in front of the library for some reason, um, telling them the collection or the organization of the library's collection should be finished today. And they make plans to meet and study tomorrow at lunch. And in the meantime, they go to. The school store, which apparently is a thing. I'm learning that schools have stores now. Now Did your school I... not have a store growing up? 
No, but apparently they all do now because all the ones I sub at have stores now. It's very weird. Now you mentioned, I think I remember my middle school had a store. I don't know if my high school did. I do very much remember that um, University of Tokyo had a school store that was really cool. My high school had like a a little place where you could get some extra like school supplies, but it wasn't anything like this. Exactly. It's just like unlocked a memory that I'd totally forgotten. Mm -hmm. Like, wow. Memory unlocked. (laughs) <laughs> so they get some they get some snacks um you always buy fish cake bread sumika uh, you always get salmon mayo rice balls kuriha oh yeah when when i saw the salmon and mayo rice ball i was like because oh, ginkgo yeah though interestingly enough for me is that they are both getting something with fish which wouldn't be weird except that like what interests me about that is that like salmon fish has always been a connection and now we have fish cake bread and suvika mm-hmm. there's kind of an implication there i think that um there's a good connection there but yeah the, the, the two of them are similar but not the same yeah this makes it i shouldn't i always make my notes when i'm hungry and so like <laughs> seeing them like get the i like saw that rice ball and i was like oh that was really good <laughs> I'm very, very <laughs> glad that I talked Alice into bringing us to McDonald's before we came here to read this, because otherwise I would be starving this whole time. I'm so hungry right now. I did not eat before we recorded. No. Hubris. So Kuriha kind of like, kind of talks about how every time Ginko always got one of these, she always looked like she really loved them. And before she knew it, she really liked them too. And they kind of like share half and half, and they're just having a nice little time. This is genuinely like Sumika's actual character in the manga. Yeah. Really likable, actually. She's cute. She's just really endearing. She doesn't mind hearing like even though she see- she likes Kuriha, she doesn't mind hearing about Kuriha talk about Ginkgo and is I don't know, it's it's very endearing. We switch back to school after this and Mitsuko, uh our man girl is seems genuinely worried as she tells Kuriha that she really shouldn't get too close to Sumika. Lulu, walking back to class, of course, is going to spy on this because, I mean, she's Lulu. and She just sort of stumbles upon this conversation and realizes she can overhear them. Lulu's entire motivation in this story is be dumb, be gay, Overhear people when they didn't mean to. Take unnecessary stealth checks. Eat hot chip and lie. Sumika apparently is known as the Witch of Bears. A bear <laughs> witch, if you will. Which, when I read this before turning the page, I'm like, what the fuck does this mean? <laughs> and I'm still not entirely satisfied with the answer. I, I think they just wanted to make a pun, is what I got out of this. Like, I don't know if they just sit here, like, kumajo, like, majo, like... Uh, <laughs> yeah. She comes from a family of witches, you know. Instead of living dolls, she can control living teddy bears. She can curse people and call forth the souls of the dead. And she knows suspicious rituals, as of course opposed to sanctioned and reasonable rituals. It's very big Saki Hanajima fruits basket <laughs> energy, and yes. I love it for her. Is controlling living dolls like a yes. like a, a yes. like a witch thing? Yeah, that I'm not familiar with. Is controlling like puppets and things like that is a pretty common trope. Okay, there's a Toho for that, <laughs> which is how you know it's a it's a common enough trope to have made the canon. Fair enough. So Curia thinks this is ridiculous. Lulu is immediately paying attention because she reacts to the living teddy bears part. Which, it's easy to see why. she. We just saw the male teddy bear. And Lulu is a living teddy bear. Yeah, basically. Mitsugo in, in, insists it's all real, that one of her friends was, quote-unquote, dragged to her house, and she went missing afterwards. We get blood spatter and action Spooky. At this rate, you're in danger, too. And, and Lulu's like, oh god, Kuriha's in danger. Despite the fact this is patently ridiculous. Yeah. So she decides to spy on Sumika from a from a roof and it immediately fails her her stealth check. Almost immediately, Sumika <laughs> just like who's following me, and she's like, "Oh, it's you, Lulu." <laughs> I, I love the idea here that like Lulu's dumb status decks, 
And she's just been getting shockingly lucky this whole time. And like <laughs> Lulu's horrified, like, oh, she knows my how does she know my name? Does she really have some sort of powers? <laughs> it's really, really dumb. Even though, like, I mean, they're they're basically classmates, so I don't know why she wouldn't know your name, Lulu. You're very rememberable. It's dangerous up there, Subika sells her. Would you like to have a cup of tea at my house? Your little bear is invited, too. Such a cute thing to say. And, of course, Lulu thinks about what she heard about the living teddy bears and the curses and whatnot. And then asks as she climbs down, you're not going to use Milne as a ritual sacrifice, are you? Her face in shadow. Which Sumika acknowledges, oh, you've probably heard about the rumors about me. I would never do such a thing so scary to such a cute little bear. And then she shakes the little the little Milna bear's Milne's bear's hands and like greets it like it's alive. She introduced Raquel. It's cute. It's so fucking cute. And Lulu is immediately charmed. We get blushy face flowers all over the place. Lulu is just immediately charmed by this. And then they're at her house. And it's a big mansion house. It reminds me a little bit of the house from the the anime. Yeah, it's it's the Psycho House again. Yeah. Psycho House 2, Return of Psycho House. Yeah, it's literally just Kuriha's house from the anime. Is it exactly her house? Yeah, it is exactly mm-hmm. the same yeah. layout on the floor. I was very excited to see it. I can't believe the Bates Hotel is back. <laughs> so, it turns out that it's an old family house. And um, it's full of bears. It's just full of stuffed bears everywhere. They are on shelves. They are on... A, we see one in a little chair. Lulu is delighted by this. Sumika's like, I hope Milm can get along with my friends. And she has little, like, cute little um, candles everywhere. Milk's, honey milk scented aroma candle. This place is basically made for Lulu. I question the candle. Is that not the same container that the honey yeah. kiss? Oh God, it, it is. It is exactly the honey pot that Milan holds in the anime. Yeah, yeah, it is the same as the honey pot from the anime. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Also, uh, I should note that, like, as Sumika is talking about this, she is drawing the shades. Oh, I didn't. Oh, oh I didn't God. notice that. That's so spooky. Sumika like is goes to get tea ready. She says that Kura had told her that about the honey thing mm-hmm. and um, mentions that she'll put honey in and Lulu's tea. And Lulu has decided that, you know what? The rumors are false. I don't see anything sus about this whatsoever. You're a weird bear house. And she complains about how the class president is a rotten egg who's high and acting high and mighty all the time. And Sumika's like, oh, so it's Mr. Go told you about the rumors. That's right. She said you're a bear witch and that you do rituals to call forth the souls of dead people. Really? What was she thinking? And then we see a weird. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna lie. This obsessed with this panel. It's comical, like this weird little ghost thing. It's very spooky, but it's also very cute. And then it like mm-hmm. turns into Milne and Cleanter, and she just immediately goes like to shock about this. I just saw Milne over there. Milne, but you're holding him. Not the bear version of him, the human mill, my little brother. Oh, I see. Sumika says to that very normal thing that Lulu just said. She just like, yeah, totally unfazed by this. She's like, when you enter the house, sometimes there's a magic that allows you to see the lo- see the love that you've forgotten. It looks like you were able to reunite with someone precious to you. Oh, by the way, uh, it's night now. That was quick. Yeah, which kind of implies that Lulu's been there longer than the panels would imply. Well, it could have been that uh, Sumika took a little while to to make yeah. the tea. Yeah, she let it steep. Yeah, and then and that's the end of the chapter. So Abby gets to do the vision quest. <laughs> oh my god, I get to do the part where Ikuhara does not have rights. Oh wait, that's the whole thing. <laughs> Lulu takes ayahuasca and dream walks. God, yeah, it's about this episode of Twin Peaks. It really it does have that energy. Yeah. And as, you know, Pan notes, this is kind of our Lulu backstory episode. And this was um episode chapter. I thought it was really interesting just because, like, this is the first version I read. And then so I remember the anime version more because I watched it more recently. And then rereading it again for a recording today, I was like, oh, like, I actually really like this. It's really interesting what they did. Mm-hmm. So to start, we have big Utena energy with Lulu and her little princess outfit, a giant, like, candy-looking heart scepter, and a little Milne in his little cloak. 
saying, I was a princess and my little brother was a prince. We were the only two people in the entire world. And behind them is a picture frame with the castle. Very mm-hmm. Utena movie energy. So you're siblings, but why were two children alone by themselves? My parents, the king and queen, hated us and said we got in their way. So that's just normal. Flash to see the castle. Mill and I lived in a dark room in the corner of the castle. But we weren't lonely because we had each other. As she's holding the little bear. And you see a little flashback of her reading to her her little brother. It's very cute. Milne, do you love me? Yeah, I love you. Oh, we see that the book that they're reading is called The Bear Prince. So mm-hmm. she's catering to her little brother's needs. And at this point, we actually get to see their faces. They're not in that kind of stylized silhouette view. Shadowy, yeah. Mm-hmm. Shadow girly. Milne sneezes and... Lulu says, it's cold out today, so let's sleep near the fireplace. And Milne replies in this little voice. He has the fireplace, so he can't really say his little words, right? <laughs> um, and you see Lulu's little bear paw click something on. Just kind of the first hint that, huh? What? The the vibe of that panel is the same vibe as Anthony and Akio having a fax machine. I was just thinking, the little house even kind of looks like it. <laughs> yeah, a little just, bit. It does not look like a castle to me, at least. It's just a kind of a normal window and look like kind of rundown walls, kind mm. of wood paneling. Whoa, it's so warm, sissy. Isn't it? Milne was my tiny little brother, the only person I protected and the one I love most in the entire world. And then we switch to the new panel and, but this is a kotatsu. And you see them lying in her little kotatsu, little Milne bear between them. That's right. In reality, we lived in a dark corner of an apartment. Kotatsu are the Japanese version of fireplaces. Japanese fireplaces. So I want a kotatsu so bad. We have a note about what a kotatsu is in case you don't know what it is. And it's like as if I haven't been longing for one ever since I first read Orin High School Host Club and Tamaki Suo talked about eating oranges under a kotatsu. <laughs> I love this panel for multiple reasons. And one of them is like the subtlest detail here is... In the previous panels, Milne and Lulu both had little bear paws and barriers. Mm-hmm. And in this one, they're just regular humans. Mm-hmm. Yep. Kind of implying that, like, we're getting the events as Lulu's child self remembered them, and she mm-hmm. remembers this a little bit more clearly and a little less dreamy. Mm. Yeah, we kind of, like, flip back and forth between, like, the more uh, fairy tale like, aspects of this versus, like, the quote-unquote real world. Yeah, it's a really nice counter kind of kind of how Ginko imagines like her entire childhood and that kind of fairy tale imagery and mm-hmm. she's kind of, you know, tucked it away and put it through a filter in many ways mm-hmm. to kind of process it. But I mean, it's pretty as we'll see in the following panels, you know, they talk about how they're hungry. We did, they don't have any cup ramen, they don't have any money. They have a little bit of money. They have, they have a-, a coin. I think that's like basically like a 50 yen coin, which like, Jesus Christ. Which I mean, yeah, combining are cheap. Maybe 500 yen or 100 yen, I can't actually see. Yeah, it's, it is enough money to buy and cup ramen at least. Three, yeah, it's, okay, yeah, it's I was thinking it was either 300 or 500, but... Yeah. yeah, so that's enough for them to probably buy a little snack. And so Lulu says that she'll go to the store real quick and Milne complains, I want to go with you. No way. You're still so small. You walk, so you walk slow. But I want to go. I don't want to stay here alone. He says, crying. His little leggies can't keep up, Lulu. Yeah, they can't keep up. And as they're walking, you know, you see how, you know, Milne's almost kind of stepping on the back of her feet. Very, very endearing. Very little sibling. (laughs) And then they keep walking, keep walking. She stops. And Milne's just sat down on the ground behind her. I'm too tired to walk. I knew it. <laughs> I'll carry you. Here, get on my back. But I was still small back then, too, as she kind of flumps to the ground like Anthony and Utena's body when Wakaba jumps on her back. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Ugh, I, I want to hurry and grow up. Yeah, I like how, like, the first three panels of this page, by the way, you can tell that what's happening is she hasn't stopped just for no reason. Yeah. there's a little bit more distance between her and Milne between mm-hmm. the, uh, the first and second panels. You can see him falling behind. It's implied, like, he's fallen far enough back that she's like, okay, I, I have to make sure he's catch up. Mm-hmm. It's very cute. And so she continues and we get kind of back more into a little fairy tale style. I thought when I grew up, I'd be able to use magic. Her dialogue says, then I'd be able to fly through the sky and get to the store in no time. I want to fly too, says Milne. We wouldn't just go to the store. We could travel around the world together. The whole world? That's right. We'll get on a flying carpet, go over the wall, and escape through the forest. 
very like mixing mixing fairy tales here. Mm-hmm. And then on this last panel, then we'll you see them more realistic in their realistic style back on the streets walking to the combini. Then we'll pretend to be servants and sneak into diff- castles in different countries to save princes and princesses all around the world. Yeah. So very much um, harken back to the anime version where I believe she was like Lulu's a maid. bisexual agenda. That too. No, uh, she says that she was a maid in earlier chapters of the manga. Oh, I didn't remember if that was in the anime or not. Mm-hmm. Like I thought it was. It's only in the manga. Yeah, in the anime, Lulu is the one who is from privilege. Ginko is the one who is not. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which is actually a really cute reversal here because there's kind of like Ikuhar is playing the double reversal part of Lulu is not from privilege, but the princess imagery is still kind of something she imposed rather than something that's yeah. part of those stories. Kind of, yeah, it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really cute. Um, Milne says, Sissy, I love you. I love you too, Milne. We were hungry, but we held hands and I slowed my pace to match Milne's. It's one of my happiest memories. I protected Milne every day in this hope of getting out of there as soon as possible. Even though I promised him we would, and then you see Milne pointing over this fancy, fancy-ass fence, brick wall with, like, great, like, um, iron fencing on top. Sissy, there's a wall in the f- a forest. Yeah, I can see a castle, too. Unlike our apartment, it's the real deal. And then we we see, you know, kind of, I guess, her gay awakening um, <laughs> in many ways. Ginkgo, watch your step. And we see a little Ginkgo getting out of, like, a, a limo, I suppose. Some very fancy car. She's a tiny little fancy princess baby. Her dress has so many frills, so many bows, like her little boots. So poofy. Yeah. Just it's so cute. So I want that cute. for me. <laughs> and I guess this, I'm wondering if the woman on the right is supposed to be Yurieka. That I wrote in my notes who is this blonde woman because I was unsure. It does kind of look like it's Kale and Yurieka. That's what I was thinking because we can't see Kale's face and we kind of see Yurieka's. Confirmation in like a couple of pages that it's Yurieka because Lulu literally goes, "Oh yeah, that must have been Yurieka," but I couldn't recognize her because her hair was so long back then. Exactly. It's a. Oh, I think I literally just missed that because I was totally missed that trying to get this done. Yeah, and, and it, it seems like, again, kind of very Utena, but that kind of her hairstyles become a lot more rigid and kind of the up bun, right? Mm-hmm. It used to be a lot more flowing and free. Yeah. And so Lulu continues, a real castle with a real king and queen and a princess. Wow! Your little, very excited face. Ginko has a little, like, crown headband because she's a fancy little baby. Carrying her little bear with her, of course. It was just like a fairy tale from a picture book with the real princess who shone brightly. And we flip back to she's laying in her little bed with Milne. You know, Milne's fast asleep, but she's so excited thinking she was so pretty. She's laying awake thinking gay thoughts. Yep. Ginkgo? Ginkgo. Princess Ginkgo. I want to see that princess again. She sits up. I'll get a sneak peek. She's putting on her, her socks, getting her to put on her shoes. And then Milne says, Sissy, where are you going? Just on a walk. I want to go too. And he's sleepy and just kind of stumbling along with his little bear. It'll take forever if I have to wait for him. No way. Just stay home, okay? I'll be right back. Back then, I tried to leave Milne behind because he would have slowed me down. And you see Lulu in her modern day sitting on a chair in this void. She's just walking along now in the past. She hears a sissy. Sissy, I love you. Ah, he's following me again. Whatever. She turns. is crossing the street. Sis. And then... In very typical shoujo manga fashion. Milne gets hit by a fucking truck! And the sound effect reader is kathump. Kathump. That is the sound we get. I can't believe Milne got fucking isekai'd. I can't believe Milne fucking died! Ah! Yep. It's I mean, brutal. Milne dying is the one consistent character trait that Milne will always have. Okay, but, but I meant he died like this, I guess. It would have been more uh, accurate. By the way, Abby, coming to this, to the anime from the manga, how did it feel watching the extended joke where Lulu tries to murder Milne in all kinds of Looney Tunes ways after seeing the version of this? Yeah, it was just bizarre. Like, I was like, it was very Ikuhara in many ways. It was very comical. Mm-hmm. And I kind of appreciated that. But I was just like, girl, get help. Like, your brother's <laughs> like, you know, I'm, a, I'm an older sister. So I was just like, oh, my God, this is horrible. <laughs> like, it's just a very stark 
difference and it's it's funny but i'm also just like how many times is she gonna try to kill him yeah it was a lot <laughs> it was that that was kind of how i felt and then we have the little baby lulu stopping and we hear an accident yes when i turned around milne was laying lying on the ground he wasn't moving i promised that i'd protect him we'd always be together but i broke that promise milne died her hands are covering her face and that's how we end our chapter, her just in shame with this confession of her being a small child forced to look after her younger brother, but feeling this immense guilt for having been the, the reason he died, which, you know, I'm sorry, sweetie, you just live in a shoujo manga and the conventions dictated at least one character must get hit by a car. Yeah, <laughs> which, like, you know, the funny thing is, like, both versions of Lulu between the anime and manga have their own hangups over Milne's death. In the anime, it's less that she feels personally responsible. She, she feels responsible because he went to go try and do something for her. Mm -hmm. And she also feels responsible in the sense of, like, if I had just been nice to him, yeah. he wouldn't have died. Whereas in the manga, she has actually been the most devoted older sister she could possibly be in a lot yeah. It's like, a very different vibe. Like it's a feel. It feels a lot more real here. In the anime, it was just kind of like it was complicated, but I'm not sure in a way that was like particularly interesting, especially because it was in such abstract terms. Because they were still like the prince and the princess, and it was rather like that was very literal versus mm -hmm. here, where it's obviously not. Yeah, I think what I'll give to the anime's version of this event is it's something that interests me at least because I like that it kind of explores the complicated fact that little kids are often really shitty to each other. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's true. For no good reason. And there's something kind of beautiful about the way it both explores that and also it, it turns into a joke in a really bizarre way, but it doesn't sugarcoat that like for a little kid, it's very easy to wish death on someone without realizing the consequences of what you're wishing. Mm -hmm. Because you yeah. literally don't have enough brain cells to know what dying is yet. Yeah. And mm -hmm. This is a lot more of a version where it's like, in keeping with the fact that the manga is a lot more about sort of the traumas we inherit from our parents mm -hmm. in various forms, the trauma of losing a parent, the trauma of parents who are present, but just not good people. Uh, and in Lulu's case, the trauma of parents who are both not good people and basically absent from her life, from what we can tell. Yeah. Lulu here feels responsible for something that honestly, like, is... She says it's her fault, and it isn't. She it's told Milne to stay inside. Milne is just, like, a bumbling little kid, and so was she. The responsibility of making sure Milne didn't run into the road should have been their parents. Yeah. It was a societal yeah. failure. Yeah, like ways, yeah. it's it's a much more it's much more of a story of like the kind of way where the kind of things you can pick up where like if you feel like this is just a weird thing to say, but if I get the feeling if Milne had survived to, you know, the the present day in the manga, that there would probably be some weird tension between him and Lulu. Mm -hmm. In a way there isn't now. Mm. Because it would be that specific tension of like the older sibling would probably she probably would have eventually grown up resenting the fact that she kind of ended up having to be a caretaker yeah in a way that was deeply unfair to her and a lot of those feelings can kind of get displaced onto Milne but instead because Milne you know died so young she's carried it as kind of this traumatic memory of like she hasn't even really had a chance to question you know why was I the caretaker yet you know she just no. kind of she's stuck in that guilt I was supposed to take care of him because I was the big sister and there was no one else, and I failed. Mm -hmm. And if I had just been nicer to him, he would have lived. All of which are just very, very weird things to think. It, I like this chapter a lot. I think you all can mm -hmm. tell that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really well done, and I really liked how real it felt. It was just a really nice kind of insight into her character and kind of the struggle she's been going through because she's been our character you know she's cheering up Yuriega she's doing all of these things and she's hurting herself right yeah that's a very good summary of Lulu's role in this story yeah man Yurikuma manga really said you inherit your parents trauma but you will never fully understand it yeah fucking 
I really love the fact that, like, in these three chapters alone, we've gotten Ginko in her desperate bid to not be either her mother or Yurieka inadvertently kind of ending up almost a, in the position of both of them. Yeah. <laughs> and dragging Lulu along with her. One of the things I've really enjoyed about this, if we're if we're going with the metaphor that the Invisible Storm this time is about depression and trauma, is the fact that this manga is very honest about the fact that, like, there's splash damage. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. one of the things I've had a really hard time coming to terms with as I get older, is the fact that, like, one of the biggest priorities for fixing what ails you as much as you can is the fact that your trauma is unfortunately never just yours Mm -hmm. no matter how justified it is and you can end up hurting other people by sort of not intentionally but by sort of like every time you go under when other people try to help you you can end up doing rescuer drowning Mm -hmm. Mm. and it's a really really rough time and Without getting too heavy, this manga, I think, kind of shows some really good, subtle, interesting examples of that. You know, Lulu is obviously trying to help, but if she hadn't kind of, like, had the presence of mind to back out of that moment, she could have very easily been drawn into a kind of relationship with Ginkgo that would have been bad for both of them in the long term. Mm-hmm. And... Meanwhile, weirdly enough, it's Koreha, who Ginko is going out of her way to distance herself from, who's kind of in the best position to help her, which is another little interesting detail there. I don't know, I like this manga a lot. I think that in the course of doing this podcast, my opinion on the Yurikuma manga has gone from I hate what it did with the bears, to this might be as dear to me in some ways as the anime. You see, the thing about the bear storm was that it was never really about the bears. Oh my god! <laughs> wow! I have been my wife coming in and taking my life. <laughs> that was like the verbal equivalent of a headshot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking 360 no-scoped you. I-, I don't know if that I would call it a headshot because a headshot would imply you ended my suffering. <laughs> I headshotted you so hard that I like that I gave your computer lag. <laughs> this is less of a headshot and more of like this is the the five minute knock Ollie Fraser knockout. <laughs> Ollie Fraser was a like twelve million round brawl. That makes no sense. What the fuck am I talking about? <laughs> Anyhow. Anyhow, we have to wrap up this episode somehow. That's the end of volume two, right? Uh, no, I don't think so. Unless. No, because we have another cha- We have another uh, three chapters, I believe. All right. So next time when we come back, we'll be doing 15, 16, 17, which will be an interesting trio of chapters. Is everyone ready for more Lulu backstory? More suffering. <laughs> uh, nothing bad ever happens to Lulu. We don't talk about Lulu. (laughs) We talk about Lulu a lot, actually. (laughs) Yeah, they end up talking about Bruno a lot, too. Checkmate, Panasis. Man, Alice has killed both of us today, Kaz. I I guess you're spared. um, Yeah, I I think in your death, I am allowed to finally rise from my grave and return to tormenting my wife. The only person (laughs) who I can spare is Abby, because... Abby is Abby is the only person who would make memes that all, that I and like one other person will laugh at, and I've treasured that too much. Aw, I'm honored. I, I feel like I need to point this out. We were talking about how it, trauma can cause you to like drag down the people closest to you. Congratulations, Alice! You've taken your best friend and your wife and just destroyed us both. <laughs> I'm just looking around and suddenly alone. Like, where did they all go? <laughs> Don't worry about it. I did it to test my abilities. <laughs> okay, we have to we have to end the show. We have to end this episode. I'm hungry. I need to go make lunch. No. Go make lunch. I have I have leftover soup to heat up. Uh listeners, if you would like to follow us on Twitter, you can do that at Utenacast. If you would like to follow me on Twitter, you can do that at mpandanata. Alice, where can people find you online? If they wish to find me and are foolish enough to find me, they may find me online at uh, Liar Wolf with on Twitter, which is L Y R E W U L F. And Cass, where can people find that podcast that you and Alice do? 
I'm glad you asked. You can find us and our podcast, Big Steppy, where all fine podcasts are sold. And you can find the Twitter account for our podcast at SteppyCast on Twitter. And Abby, if you so wish to be found, where can people find you online? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Abby Saysores. That's A-B-B-Y Saysores. And if you uh, would like to support this show, you could do that on our Patreon at UtenaCast.com. I don't actually say it very much, but something that people may not realize is that like nine times out of ten, and the version of an episode that's on Patreon has like jokes that I cut out or like tangents that I cut out for the main feed and you actually I discovered this literally last night that Patreon has an RSS feed function where you can get like the RSS feed for your creators that you support on Patreon and put it into like a podcast app and it will update whenever they put out new episodes so I don't have to listen to the people that I support on Patreon uh, through the Patreon app which I don't love to do because it sometimes doesn't always save my place when I'm listening to audio. Uh, so if you would like to hear bonus jokes, you can check those out on our, our Patreon audio feed. There's, there's rarely an episode goes by that I, I haven't decided to cut something, but I, I leave it in for the only the most dedicated. Only true fans remember. Only true fans remember. I'm not a true fan. That's why I can't remember anything funny that I left in for the patrons. And if you'd like to see me reblog Utsuna fan art on Tumblr, you can do that at imaginemeandutsuna.tumblr.com. And if you would like to get in contact with us, you can email us at imaginemeandutsuna at gmail.com. Or you can check out the Google form that is in our pinned tweet. And I think that that is everything. So, gal gal! Gal gal! Look for the...